0: guys <laughs> good morning good afternoon good night how you doing whatever time you're listening to this um good insert time of day here <laughs> hey y'all i am nicole hills and um this is the healing corner with moi, nicole hills if you're new and you don't know who i am yet i am um a divine healer I am a spiritualist. I focus on um, inner child healing specifically because to me, that's just where it all starts. You know, the inner child. (laughs) It's really important um, to look at and reflect back on our childhoods in order to You know, answer any questions about ourselves that we may have now. You know, why are we so quick tempered? You know, yeah, I'm getting right into it. You know, like why are, why do we have like a catastrophic mind? Why do we assume the worst? You know, where does our anxiety come from? Your childhood can answer all of these things because in our childhood, that's where we encounter a lot of firsts. You know, but we may not remember it all, you know, because it's all happening in real time. And a lot of us, because we encounter a lot of firsts, we don't really know how to deal with a lot of the things that happen to us. And because of that, we may encounter a lot of harm, you know, in our childhoods a lot of discomfort, a lot of fear, a lot of not feeling safe. And so that causes us to dissociate and block out certain things that our mind and our sensitive bodies could not um, deal with at the time. So doing this work, inner child work, inner child healing, inner child soothing, inner child accommodating... Which we're going to get into, kind of. But just treating yourself how you wish you were treated as a child and the ways in which you should have been treated as a child. That really helps us in our development now. Because when you think about it, when we're children... We have to shift our focus from developing as tiny human beings to the next stage to now we got to focus on, you know, this harm that is being done to us. We got to focus on safety and feeling safe and the fact that we don't feel safe. We got to focus on the confusion and the fearful feelings that we have. And so our development, you know, gets interrupted Especially our emotional development. And it's why a lot of us are so (laughs) quick-tempered, have a lot of anxiety, you know, um, and more emotional problems um, as we're adults. Because our emotional development is practically zero. (laughs) Hey, we could laugh about this, okay? Because like, it's all of us. It's not like one specific person we're laughing at. It's all of us. It's me too. But I've done the work. You know, I've done a great deal of the work to be able to be doing these episodes and dropping these gems now. So that's who I am. You can find me on social media, Instagram at Nicole Hills. No, at Nicole heels because someone doesn't want to give up the nicole heels username. But yeah, um and on Instagram is where I drop um, you know, content. I have a very aesthetically pleasing feed and that's very um healing to the eye if I do say so myself. But it's where you can catch me, you know, sometimes in real time, you know, chatting and work, and you can get some additional healing. I am on Twitter as well, where I write about healing and I showcase my writing through thre- um, Twitter threads. And um, yeah, you can catch me on there at, you know, Nicole Heels. <laughs> Nobody has that username but me. Um, and you can also catch me on TikTok. I just made a thousand followers there so I can finally go live. Yay! <laughs> When I tell you my evolution on TikTok has been really, really fast. Like two months ago, I was just, no, three now. I was just like reflecting on like, well, not reflecting, excited about reaching 444 followers. And now we're at a thousand. Wow. That's crazy. But I'm really happy on my social media is where you can also interact with my content. You know, I love getting DM'd about how this and that helped. I love, you know, getting likes and comments about, oh, I found you over here and this really resonated with me. That's really important to creators because when we create, we just send it out into the void and like hope for the best. So it's nice to know and see that the best is being done. (laughs) And it's also, um, you know, that's also interacting on social media is a form of non-monetary compensation because I say in every episode, this work, this healing work is so beneficial but it's also laborious to me, you know, energetically, but also monetarily. Because, you know, like I had to get a mic and all of that. I, got, I had to get headphones. <laughs> so interacting with me, um, sharing a like, sharing this podcast, you know, sharing um, any content that I make and post that you resonate with, with someone that you think will resonate with it as well. You know, it's very appreciated and I'm very, very thankful for it. Monetary Ways to Compensate Me, Cash App, Dollar Sign N I C C C One. You can shoot me, you know, a little bit of gratitude. And any um thing you, you know, send me, it's very appreciated and it always comes back to you as well. So think about that (laughs) when you're um you know spreading abundance to people you can also there's a listener support option i believe on spotify and anchor where you know you can drop a little something, something to me as well you can also follow me on patreon where i showcase my writing um and additional you know healing gems like um Journal, yes, journal prompts <laughs> and other things, so you can um support me in general as a creator over there for four dollars or forty four cents a month, and then you get additional treats. Um, I think that's the end of my spiel. So let's get into the episode. Ugh. I'm so excited for this one because it it's been a long time coming. You know, it's something that's been on my mind as a person who is more sensitive and has been told indirectly, you know, from I won't say the world, but like from society, from American society specifically, that I don't deserve accommodations for my sensitivity, you know, pretty much all my life. And I know a lot of fellow, um, I guess, like sensitive people who are aware that they're sensitive Feel this heavily as well but this topic came back into my focus which let me say the title I just wrote in caps it's okay to have accommodations in life (laughs) because like it is and this is really important so it came back into my focus after I was chilling with a friend last night And she was talking about how, you know, it was her time of the month and she took an Advil. Shout out to Paula. Hey, Paula. (laughs) Tell your mom I said hi. (laughs) And I was all shocked because, like, before... Like we used to work together and, you know, it was another time where she was in pain for something I forgot. And I was like, oh, I have Tylenol. And she was like, oh, no, like I offered her it like six times. And each time she was like, no, no, no. And I'm like, "Okay, girl, I'm not going to like beg you (laughs) to take it. And so, you know, that tells me like she usually just raw dogs it, you know, which I respect. You know, everybody has their preferences in life. But respectfully, when it's my time, (laughs) hand me that bottle. (laughs) Hand me several, actually. Like, I do not skimp. But later on in the night, we were talking and she told me how she doesn't really take Um, medication like Advil, like painkillers and Tylenol and stuff because she doesn't want her body dependent on it. And then like, you know, later when she's without it, her body just goes crazy and the pain is like intensified. And in that moment, I remember having, I remember feeling two simultaneous reactions you know one was understandable because I'm the same way you know like I've <laughs> I've refused like accommodations like that not in terms of pain because child but like in other ways which I'll get into but the second was like huh you know it was like literal confusion like if there is help if there is relief you know, if there is an accommodation to relieve yourself in this present moment, why not take it just because of like a possible future or a, a future possibility that you might not have it later on, you know? And why pick this future, you know, this possibility to be the one that you focus on, you know? Why pick this future to be the one to be possible? And in that moment, I realized I was questioning, not really her decision, but an aspect of myself that I deal with and that I feel is necessary to talk about because I see it all the time in others too. You know, we see it all the time. So oftentimes, I'll find myself not accepting a sort of easy way out you know, and just wanting to foot it because like, that's like the raw way to go. You know, that way I know how to deal with things in their natural environment or as they naturally and rawly happen and not only be equipped to deal with a fluffy and unreal, unrealistic version of it, of the situation of life. You know, and I wrote this down just because I wrote this script literally today, like right before I recorded. And because it's just been on my mind, y'all. And as I wrote that part, that specific part of my script, I realized and uncovered a deeper layer to it that I rely on survival, this is a survival technique that I am accustomed to. That I also, and I know a lot of people sort of like wear as a preference, you know, as a, as a badge of honor that we're proud of. Where we'd rather go through it entirely the hard way and understand everything that has to do with it and experience life in its raw and natural intensity because deep down I personally fear disappointment. I fear not knowing. I fear not being able to fully take care of myself if something, even the smallest thing goes awry because then that reminds me of when I needed help and my parents were not there. When there was no one to rescue me and I felt helpless, needy, and sad and very, very fearful. Oftentimes, when it seems like our parents just don't understand our emotional needs, especially if you were shy and introverted or you know the times when we were shy and introverted and felt more cautious about a certain environment you know while growing up because a lot of us go through those phases you know that's that's very human but because it seems like your parents don't understand you know like they just don't they won't they can't show up in the ways that we need. You know, like defending us from harmful people who inflict on our boundaries or comforting us when we're scared, hurt, and in pain. Hugging us, engulfing us, and letting us cry and be rocked in their arms rather than getting something very minimal to that very very minimal to that child believe me <laughs> but <laughs> but not me roasting my parents child but i mean like that's all a part of adulthood child you got to roast your parents cuz who else is going to who else is going to stand up for yourself let your inner child roast your parents let your adult self roast your parents let your all of yourselves roast your parents because a lot of them drop the damn ball And it's okay to admit that And it's healing to admit that It's cathartic to admit that And a lot of us must admit that to ourselves So yeah Laugh with me about my parents (laughs) Anyways Other than that We go through Our parents actually being the one To harm us as well You know And in that sense Who is really there To save us That's a really painful conclusion to come to in general, but especially as a child when you're so vulnerable and you have a a sense of knowing that you are vulnerable, a feeling that you are vulnerable, and feeling part of this group that you rely on literally for survival And you then realizing that you're in this vulnerable state and you can't even really rely on them. That in certain instances that you won't know about in the future, let's get back into it, that they won't be there to save you. The inconsistency in that is really scary to us. So we would rather rely on what we perceive as the constant which is or we would rather rely on the most the more fearful belief rather than the more optimistic one or the more accommodating one as a way to you know um get ourselves ready for life Because when we're children, it's really confusing for us to need to stand up for ourselves, you know? It's very confusing to us at first seeing that, like, there will be an inconsistency in being saved and being comforted and being soothed in feeling safe. And it's so confusing for us To stand up for ourselves because at some point we still view ourselves as part of our parents, you know, like we don't understand that we are in separate bodies and are separate from them. And so when it becomes a you versus them type of situation, we feel split it creates a deep ridge within us because we now become painfully aware that we are separate from them. But also, we got to beg them to stop harming us, to which our cries are usually ignored. And this is where we first learn survival little small tangent i really don't want to get off script because i want to get everything in here but that whole like um idea of oh just letting a baby cry out not spoiling a child so you don't go to them every time that they cry we rely on these people for survival our baby brain is really limited and so we cry to get a need met even if that mean um that need is being held even if that need is that we just peed. <laughs> you know, we need that to be cleaned up. We need to be held. We need to be fed. We need attention. All of which are our basic needs and should be met and are equally important. Let's get at let's get that out the way. Equally important. And so if we don't get that need met. Right then and there. Then. We really. Won't know. Whether it'll get met. You know like we don't really have like a concept of time. And that. A knowing that oh it'll eventually get met. Mommy's just going through something right now. Or people busy right now. Or something 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 right now. All we know are our needs. And so. If they are not met like in a I guess a considerable amount of time then we get scared that we will not survive literally and from a young age a lot of us do not get soothed every time we cry we don't get attention every time we cry we are babies that were made to cry out and so Getting that inconsistency was our first taste of relying on survival as a literal infant. Think about how deep that goes, how far that goes. Think about it. As babies, we don't know. You know, there's a lot of things that we don't know. And so expecting a baby to be like, oh, you know, like... Oh well, let the baby learn. You know how that does? It doesn't work like that. It literally does not. And I cannot spend more time on that. I'm so sorry, but definitely Google is your best friend. I promise. There are so many. There's so many gems on this. But yeah, yeah, child. So this is where we first learn survival. That. No one is going to help you, but you type of mentality that cutthroat, you know, you know, if you're from New York, you hear it all, especially like in the, um, in those like nineties and two early two thousands, New York movies, like, yo, people die every day, be you know, like <laughs> that's sort of like suck it up. Nobody going to help you, but you mentality, you know, there's no tears in the real world reality don't care about your emotions. Nobody's going to give you handouts. That type of thinking is a response to trauma. And we have to recognize that it's a response to the harm that we've experienced where we felt helpless and our own sense of survival in some way was threatened by the exact people that we depended on literally for survival as children, it creates a deep sense of distrust, that inconsistency that has been festering for years and creating our reality for years. And it's this survivalist mentality that we start thinking of things. I say um, existentially. (laughs) Existentially. Like, basically, we start thinking way past the future, like the future past and present, you know, not in the present moment. Like, oh, let me just pop this anvil because right now, presently, I'm in pain. Rather like, oh, all of of these possibilities in the future, think of the future. And it's twists and turns possibly and how we can be ready for it and prepare for it. And so we raw dog the pain because in the future, there is a slight possibility that we won't have access to the painkillers that we have now. And therefore, we shouldn't spoil ourselves don't spoil the baby because you might not be able to be there all the time. And so you got to teach it, (laughs) you know, we're literally reparenting ourselves. Like we're re reproving that to ourselves and creating that sense of scarcity mentality for our reality, (laughs) literally. And it's really important to know this. So that we can disrupt it when we and stop it in its tracks when we find ourselves doing it because we don't deserve it. You know, we don't deserve to ignore certain needs. I do this with myself. I'd be ignoring my social needs knowing that I have social anxiety <laughs> um, as a way to like try and like make myself normal. Through struggling and allowing myself to think quick and in the moment and just get it and then learn from that experience. When in reality, I could have made that whole process easier for me by soothing myself throughout the process in the way that I needed and not ignoring my needs. Stop throwing yourself in the pool. You don't need to anymore. This is what makes us so apprehensive to accept accommodations. Because we don't want to be caught out here lacking again. You know, we were too vulnerable. And when we experienced that pain, it left a really big hole inside of us emotionally and energetically. Especially since... A lot of us don't know how to stand up for ourselves at a young age because we can't even fathom to think that we're separate from our parents you know so the act of standing up is is kind of like it's really confusing to us it blows our mind our sense of reality is changing literally in one instant where there's already fear and perceived danger. And so we most likely, I'm willing to bet, always will betray ourselves in this moment. We'll just listen to our parents. We'll just adapt. You know, we obviously can't beat them, and so we just join them and their way of doing and being. And in this way, also keep in mind, this happens over and over again for years. So it becomes ingrained and becomes a belief. And so we become accustomed to not having our needs met, not having our preferences respected, and believing that we won't get And don't need and are not worthy of having accommodations We don't need accommodations because we never had them before And never could have them before So naturally we reject them We could not speak up You know And ask for them for what we wanted and needed. And so it's believed that it's not accessible to us and it's not something open to us. And we create a badge of honor, a, a pride around not needing it because we can do it ourselves and we're so good at surviving and we're so good at taking care of ourselves and not experience or escape experiencing the vulnerability of needing someone again and the risk of them not showing up. We turn it around and capitalize off of it, saying that like it teaches us so much and like we gain grit and passion and work ethic and strength from it. And from us experiencing these positive emotions... And only choosing to focus only on them We convince ourselves that this is the right way to be Our media also convinces us um, of this as well Since it's a major theme, you know It reflects our cultural Cultural (laughs) Bootstrap mentality Of not needing help and working hard And that paying off And honestly, that's the jig. That's how we're tricked. Because if we are convinced that we don't need help, that we don't need accommodations, and that we're so in tune with reality and we're so mature um, and natural for not being different and not being needed and not having preferences or boundaries, then we will not ask. We will go on about life struggling and being given different badges of honor for our struggle. And in that way, it becomes a game. You feel thankful for the constant struggle because it's teaching you so much and allowing you the strength to survive. But the jig is, the further jig, (laughs) is that, You are not cognizant to the fact that you are struggling and you never stop struggling because now you made a game out of it. You're not focused on the fact that you're struggling. You're just focused on the reward and the kudos that you get from others. Now you get from society, that you get from your bros, from that big man on Twitter that you look up to, from the pastor that you use as a guide, and from that girl boy CEO. You can't see that you're not living, you're just surviving. Because the real tea is that with living comes accommodations. Actual living. To live is to have choice. To survive is to not. And in a lot of our childhoods, we were just surviving. And our parents also had that survivalist mentality and they placed it onto us and they created a whole family dynamic out of it and a whole family structure based on it. Mm-hmm. They didn't let you have choice. They created a reality of survival around you. (sighs) And so to have a choice in the way that you want to live, you got to think for yourself. Survival doesn't let you do that. You got to connect to the things that you prefer and that you want for yourself. That's going to connect you to your needs. That's going to connect you to your boundaries and your standards of living and being and of all of these different things in life as it pertains to you specifically. You can't do all that if you're in survival because you're in survival. You think expecting... Accommodations and getting them is unrealistic and that you'll always be disappointed if you ask. But in reality, that's exactly how you get them, by asking. Because to ask in general is to insinuate belief, even if it's small. Believe that you deserve to have your needs met. And asking life, asking the universe, you know, asking how you believe a higher... Like, your higher power, basically. Asking that is to insinuate belief. And it's to tell them that this is what I deserve. And so, naturally, the roads will start opening, We're so used to looking at life as this thing that happens to us and not this thing that happens for us. You know, life happens for us to gain soul development. And yes, we do go through pain, but the pain is not meant to stay there and to completely shape our worldview in a pessimistic way. Eventually, we learn that our life is ours not other people's, no matter how much they tried to control us because we were in their life and they preferred controlling everything in their own life to feel safe. No, our life is our own and we can request to have certain things to make it easier and to live a certain way that coincides with our joy and our happiness. And... Our beloved sensitivities. (laughs) We just wholeheartedly believe that we can't because of the heavily contrasted reality we've lived as children. And we think that it's that it's reality in general and that that reality still has to be our reality now. We don't think it's unrealistic to be able to curate our lives. We actually want because we could not do that as children. We always had to adapt to other people. And so we treat life as something to just adapt to, you know, and in a way that's true. You know, life does throw things at us. Because it's here for our development and we have to adapt to it. We have to accommodate to life. But also, life can accommodate to us. It can definitely be a give and take, you know? But the thing is, you have to get yourself to believe, even in small ways that you gotta start, that you are not living as a child anymore. And that you do not have these ideals over your head anymore. You're not being directly controlled anymore. And that you're allowed now to have a choice. Because again, when you ask the universe, God, the creator, you know, what you believe in to set this particular thing in motion for you by creating boundaries around it, you know, yourself, by accommodating it for yourself... Even in the smallest way. Even if it is just taking an Advil. Hi, Paula. (laughs) You're signaling to the universe. Hey, I like this thing. I like not being in pain, you know? (laughs) And I want it all the time. (laughs) Make this happen. And the universe really has no choice but to comply. Because you're setting the belief in motion that you do deserve accommodations, that your emotions are valid, and that you actually deserve to be acknowledged, that your needs and your emotions actually deserve to be acknowledged and cared about and accommodated for. And because you begin to believe it, you ask for it more and more. And you start consciously and subconsciously creating more room for it in your life. And you begin to get it back in many ways, maybe even more ways than you thought were and could be possible. So, no, if you ask for accommodations, you're not soft, you're not delusional. You won't be a scared little child anymore caught out here lacking and afraid because you have needs. Because to have needs is normal. And to get those needs met is, say it with me, one, two, three, normal. (laughs) When you're in survival, you think this is abnormal, And what becomes and stays the norm for you for so many years is that you got to just take what you can get and be grateful for it. And that's the further jig, the furthest jig. (laughs) Because all of these people who taught you that you don't deserve accommodations and to have your needs met. You know, your parents, our government, these big accounts on social media that have an audience because they're just helping to perpetuate the already popular ideas of emotional of unavailability, you know, certain friends, lovers, bullies in our past or present. Listen, child, they can still exist in the present. All of these people who stuffed it down your throat, that made you afraid to be sensitive, afraid to have needs, afraid of seeming soft. Best believe they themselves have accommodations and they get them met all the time. They insist on getting them met. These people are usually emotional bulldozers because think about it, your parents did not like emotion. You know, they did not really like the idea or the feeling of someone depending on them emotionally. It made them uncomfortable because it triggered how their parents were emotionally unavailable and they had nowhere to turn, you know? And so they created an environment in their life and in your childhood where your emotional needs and preferences and accommodations did not get met. Because theirs did. But oh, but theirs did. Always. Conveniently at the end of the day, theirs did get accommodated for. Because look at it like this: they created an environment to where they did not have to change. They created an environment around their unwillingness to change. They created an environment around their preferred way of being. And they did not have to make any efforts to meet your needs. They just made you adapt to their emotional level, their reality. Think about it. They did not want to accommodate for you. So they made you accommodate for them. At the end of the day, that's what it is. And all of these other people that create a personality on survival, basically, um, and shame others for not wanting to be survivalists like them and live in the woods, you know, with them. They have the same accommodation where others cannot have emotional needs around them. Others cannot be sensitive around them. That is their accommodation. And trust, they have many more. They just don't notice it. And it just does not register in their mind as what it actually is. Accommodations. Conveniently, of course. You know, because that's due to like the lack of self awareness that emotional unavailability brings. But, child, that's a whole nother episode. <laughs> but the point is that these people, this culture that we have within our society, has made all of us believe that we don't need accommodations, you know? When that is basically their own accommodation that they set due to their discomfort of dealing with emotions and ultimately their own emotion. So I'm just here to show you that Everyone has accommodations. Literally, everyone has accommodations in life. Even those people that shame other people for being sensitive. They're common. It's very common to have accommodations. And they're here for you to actually live life and not survive through life. You know? And not only that, live a life to fit your needs. Because why not? You know, who are you really living for if you don't have accommodations for you specifically? That's a question a lot of us need to answer ourselves over and over again, you know, because accommodations look like changing up your own specific work ethic to meet your needs rather than to meet the conditions and the, not assumptions, but the expectations of society. Maybe you're not a person that works for straight, to, for eight hours straight. You know, maybe you're just not that bitch. <laughs> maybe you're not a person that worked for one hour straight, let alone eight. Maybe you're like me and you need to just bang it out for like 15 to 30 minutes. And then you need a 10 minute break. And then you need to bang something else out, something new out 15 to 30 minutes. And then you need a 10 minute break. (laughs) Or maybe you don't need breaks. You just need every 30 minutes to switch things out because you hit a block. And maybe you notice that and you accommodated for yourself rather than trying to just work for a couple hours straight on the same thing, not being able to really finish it, having anxiety because in the midst of trying to finish it that you're not finishing it, and then taking three days to not even finish it. But three days working on it, trying to finish it, you know, versus banging it out for like a good 30 minutes, getting really good ideas, really good brainstorming session for number one 30 minutes, and then a really good, um, writing session for the next 30 minutes. And then, um, a really good revisionist session in the next 30 minutes you know, and not even 30 consecutive, you know, minutes, this is like the first 30 minutes. And then the next 30 minutes, you work on something else. And then you ping pong like that. And then you get it done within a day and not even within a full day within half a day. Maybe you're like that. And then in those three days that you would have spent working on one thing and being anxious and like, Oh, I'm a quitter, but I don't want to quit blah, blah, blah. In those three days, you get three actual things done or more because you chose to accommodate for your sense of work ethic, your sense of concentration, your brain. What's the, like, what's the, what's the bad thing in that? What's the bad thing in asking for exactly what you want, what you need, and what you prefer because your preferences also matter and are valid? And then having those roads open up for you where you end up getting a job that is not such a micromanager, but allows you to multitask and not multitask like under pressure as these jobs be trying to put in the description, child, but... Basically to just work the way that you work. Why not get a job that praises that? Why not let life work for you and not you always having seemingly to work against life or just survive in life? Why not live? We got to be comfortable setting standards and setting boundaries With life Working with life Because there is that sense of control You know And putting our preferences out there to be met To be matched And to be accommodated for Because why not When we have the choice to When you know now that you have the choice to Why not So take that Advil Paula, (laughs) and don't worry about whether or not you life, excuse me, will make you fall on your face. You know, why not just not have that thought in mind that life even wants to do that for you, whether the other shoe will drop or not. If you start making necessary accommodations for yourself because you deserve them. You deserve to live a comfortable life where you're comfortable having fun and actually living and in less pain than you actually need to go through. So, whole point. Too long, didn't read. (laughs) Too long, didn't listen. (laughs) Making accommodations for yourself is actually very courageous It takes a lot of strength to even get to the point where you believe that you deserve the accommodations that you're trying to set. And I have so much admiration for you for doing so. So the first few times, it may feel weird, but still reward yourself, you know? Tell yourself how proud you are for doing that. Even if the accommodation is like the smallest thing you know maybe you're someone where i don't know you like writing with a certain caliber of pen you know you notice that about yourself but you never really accommodated for that for yourself but so now instead of buying the raggedy pen without the ballpoint you know that's cheaper but dies out so quick, or it may not die out, but it's not to your preference. Maybe now you look to the side and get that nice, smooth pen that just glides over the paper. And maybe that will be your accommodation. You still deserve to say how proud you are to yourself for making it. Because, best believe, you will take that and run with it. (laughs) Thank y'all so much for listening. I love y'all so much. Thank you on behalf of me, to yourself, for making accommodations for yourself. And, um, I wish y'all, uh great Sunday happy Sunday happy day that you're listening to this and happy rest of your week I am Nicole Hills the divine healer and I'm wishing you so much love in your life right now and so much accommodations <laughs> I will see y'all or y'all will listen to me in the next one bye